When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Jose Galison. This is No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all the major podcatchers and on Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is Top Lobster. Um, so for those watching on my Patreon now on the 23rd, this is live stream for you guys. Uh, but it's uh, I, I will, I'm going to be sending this out to basically how this works is it's a it's, it's basically patrons only right now. And I'll get releases a numbered episode in like a week or so. Uh, so to get in on that, the, uh, the, 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 it's $2 for the, the lowest tier, if that's what you want to do. Uh, I will say it's all, it, I do stream it to Twitter. So if you want to watch there, I mean, you can do that for free. Uh, I'd also, it sends, I believe, I don't think it streams it, but it will immediately after it's done, it will go to Odyssey. And so that's free as well. So, you know, if you don't want to pay on Patreon, go to Odyssey. Cause I'd rather you be watching me on Odyssey anyways, cause eventually I'm going to get booted off of YouTube at some point. Uh, somehow I haven't got hit at all. Uh, Tower Power Hour has gone a couple times, but somehow I haven't. I'm a little more serious. Maybe that's why. Um, yeah, uh, and then like the highest level on Patreon is like if you do $20, you'll be a sponsor, so I'll read you off. Uh, so, for example, uh, C.D. McRae of the Whiskey and Tea Podcast. She's a sponsor. Jermaine Vincent. Uh, Adam. Uh, at Big Boghorn of the No Time to Explain Podcast. Uh and also, just so you guys know, my uh, the patrons patreon.com is just no way Jose 2020. Today, the topic we'll be covering is Charles Robert Plunkett, uh, his chapter in the Anarchist Handbook, um, which is a very Fed posty one. And yeah, with that, let's go ahead and bring. Oh yeah, uh, I mean it's kind of weird. I'm doing this plug now since it's just who I'm bringing on. But check out toplobster.com. Uh, use Jose at checkout for 10% off. He's the fucking dude, and that's why I have him here. What's up, man? Yo, what's up, Jose? How you doing, hey. man? Doing all right, right. Uh, you go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I know people, they, people, most podcasters only do it for the first time. I do it every single time because it wastes time, and uh, you know that's kind of what we do in podcasting. And also, you know, you never know who's if, whose first time it is. So yeah, yeah. So my name is uh, Danny, uh, but I go by the moniker Top Lobster, and uh, you can find my shit at toplobster.com. I do a lot of the artwork that you see that uh, some people think is shitty. 
some people think it's great. So, uh, you know, check me out. Check out the people I'm affiliated with. Let, I mean, the person who thinks it's the, the one person who's ever complained about being shitty has confirmed uh, brain issues. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, there seems to be some overlap with brain issues and people who don't like my shit. So, you so draw you your uh, inferences. You, he literally has a faulty brain. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. So, uh, <laughs> that's fucked up. Um, uh, so anyways, we're doing the Plunkett chapter. Uh, one thing I've been asking for a lot of people is, why do you think I picked you? I'd like to know why you think I picked you. Oh, what's up, uh, Space Cat? What's up, dude? I've seen I've seen you on Twitter. Let's just say what's up. But uh, go ahead. Why do, you, why do you think I picked you for this this chapter? Why, why do you, you know, think you popped in my mind? <laughs> I'm not sure. I was telling my wife, I said, I'm, I'm going to ask him that. Like, why did he pick me for this? Because this one is like very... Uh, this is, from what I remember, it's very inflammatory. This guy just went for it, man. I mean, it's he was a uh, he seemed like he was kind of deeply involved in what was going on, and uh, was you know being a little bit tight lipped about it. But then just wrote this scathing piece that's just like ju- it's just a scream. It's a four page scream he, about Roy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, maybe I, <laughs> maybe I am kind of a, uh, I don't know. Uh, am i do i come off as a firebrand to you or like uh not i guess i wouldn't say you're like necessarily over a firebrand or fed posty but you definitely are because the way i kind of see this essay it goes a lot it does go into political violence but it also is going a lot into like uh i see a lot of the because i'm seeing a lot of the overlap and a lot of stuff is going on now with like the fascism in this in this uh is uh what's up bonghorn leghorn um but so I know you've been a little bit more apt to, in some ways, I wouldn't say disregard private property, but be a little bit more suspect, suspect of what you consider private property. So uh, I, I see that overlap here because that one of the themes in this is that uh, they're going into how uh, there was political violence, well, not political, but violence done upon the people uh, by essentially like oil barons and such, which, you know, in in a certain sense, they're private, but I mean, it, it, he was talking about the Rockefellers, I believe, I and mean, we're going to read it here in a second. But yeah, it was there. There was definitely, you know, with somebody like the Rockefellers, like they're not entirely private. Uh, so it's it. I know a lot of people like us ANCAP types look at this story and might see this as like, uh, oh, look at these disgusting socialists fighting, you know, you know, people who with their private property, they agreed to work for them, blah blah blah, whatever. Like, but, you know, I think a lot of people, the wolves are starting to come off their eye and be like, oh, this isn't so clean cut. Like, there's a lot of government involvement here. There's a lot of overlap. And I guess that's kind of vibe I get from you that you're kind of starting to open up to some of that. Uh, I mean, you're very uh, friendly, like a lot of the post-libertarian type stuff. I don't know. You were just one of the names that popped in when I was reading this. Uh, There were a few others. Uh, Like Aaron from Time on Earth was a name that popped in my head uh there there's a few um i'm a a good company then yeah 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 you are i guess you are right because i have been flirting with that idea not necessarily throwing away private property but uh seeing where that line begins and or or not not necessarily where the line i know where it begins and i think we should respect it but it's at at what point should we start to uh flirt with the rules here you know start to (laughs) cross that line because people are certainly crossing the line and yeah, in this in this uh, specific story that he tells, it does seem like it seems like the Rockefellers and and the the National Guard and the militias and 
the the other people, the the people who broke the, the union strike, they cross some lines. I mean, it, it, it gets messy, and who really knows what happened? Because this is like yeah. what the nineteen hundreds. So, yeah. Well, yeah, nineteen fourteen is the date of this. Yeah. Right, right. I will let you guys know. I don't think you're a historic history buff. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a history buff, so I'm, I'm literally just kind of giving the best interpretation of this essay I can. Um, so don't expect. Uh, I mean, if you come at me like, well, it, well, in fact, he was wrong here, and it was actually so and so who did it. I, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm yeah, just they're lucky. You my <laughs> the, the people, while you're lucky, you're getting like a, a intelligent, not not even. You're, you're lucky you're getting a legible conversation from us too. We're, we're yes. This is the best we can do. <laughs> So shut the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. We're gonna, I was, it's only like four pages, so I figured we'd do a reading, and then we'll we, we'll chat a little bit after, and then chat a little bit in between as well. Because um, I mean, you know, we'll kind of between paragraphs and stuff when, when shit comes up. Uh, so if you need to chime in with a comment, whatever, you know, go ahead. But uh, and I will when I feel like it as well. Uh, right, I'll go ahead and start. I'm gonna read a little bit that uh, that Malice put in the beginning because I actually this is like one of my favorite parts of this. Uh, just the, the whole context of the situation. Uh, yeah. So like we said, this is Charge Robert, Robert Plunkett. The name of this essay is Dynamite. Um, all right. Emma Goldman's anarchist periodical Mother Earth was a clearinghouse for many prominent names in leftist circles. In 1914, one issue was released without her supervision while she had been away on a lecture tour. Though Goldman was more bloodthirsty than her mentor, Johann Most, or her partner, Alexander Berkman, even he thought the McKinley assassination was pointless and a shame. She still knew enough to be careful as to where and when to discuss political violence. As Goldman later wrote, I had tried always to keep our magazine free from such language, and now the whole number was filled with prattle about force and dynamite. I was so furious that I wanted the entire issue thrown into the fire. But it was too late. The magazine had gone out to the subscribers. Here's the anarchist essay that so disquieted Eva, even Emma Goldman. So yeah, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the context of it is pretty, pretty legendary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting forward, and I don't. I, I I assume that Michael Malice got it right, but from what I understand, um, obviously this. So so Charles wrote for uh, Mother Earth for uh, Emma Goldman, but the the more I, I I learned about this a while ago, and and from what I what I understand is these people from uh, Mother Earth and like Charles. I wrote down their names. Uh, so Charles and a couple of others, the ones that that died later on they were accomplices mm -hmm. and they were kind of plotting this together. So, you know, she, she Emma Goldman's a badass, or, or yeah. she's a firebrand for sure. So when she says, uh, what is she, <laughs> I didn't know that all this stuff about uh, force and dynamite and she was furious that it printed. I think it's, it's like, this is bringing a lot of heat to her publication and to her, yeah. to her in general, because these guys, not only did they do this once, but after the, after these three guys passed, which we'll talk about, there was there was another attempt, and I think a gardener in in, in the Rockefeller's uh, mansion found it, and they they successfully defused the next bomb. <laughs> so these guys were fucking crazy, crazy enough to try it, fail, and then write an article about it. So she was like, "Yo, chill, like we gotta <laughs> blow an offset here." Yeah, and a lot of people Literally, might see yeah. this as her being like a pussy, but it's like no, like she's just mm. smart, like. Uh, yeah. she, if anything, like uh, they insinuate, she's the most bloodthirsty. I know Berkman, uh, Berkman, her longtime lover, like basically like her lifetime time lover. They never got married, but Alexander Berkman, I think he did prison time for some assassin or some attempted or actual assassination. I believe that might have been the McKinley one. I don't, I don't remember the exact uh, situation, but he did prison time, and 
it was well i remember i read some book about goldman Frerigo, and it was heavily insinuated she was heavily involved but it's just kind of never really got you know they never really got the got her got her essentially so yes, she. I mean, hell, it was a borderline insinuated a few times. She might have been damn near the mastermind. So like, yeah, Emma Goldman was a badass. Uh, I mean, in some senses, I think like uh, if I remember correctly, I don't know the entire situation, but I know the one assassination they planned. I, I from the little bits I know, it seems like she was kind of off. I mean, she was definitely way. She was definitely a bit bit more of a socialist in that like private properties, like you know. Uh, violence type shit and it's and not even like the kind of understanding we're hinting at where it's like might be like a little bit of a spectrum and like kind of the merger of corporate and state like no she just didn't like landowners <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. property owners um yeah. but yeah no it's wild um well all right let's uh let's get into it more unless you got something else to say uh yeah no yeah keep keep going all right it had to come it was a logical culmination of events. The past five months have witnessed a period of anarchist activity in New York City, unequaled in this country since the stirring days of 1880 in Chicago. Also, and consequently, they have witnessed unexampled police brutality, court persecution, newspaper slander, and popular prejudice. The end was inevitable. Uh, I was, I remember, I, I underlined that when I read that, that last line. Uh, not the end, it was inevitable, the one before that, the, uh, the police brutality, court persecution, newspaper slander and popular prejudice and i put a little note said like now because uh mm. i do you know i you kind of i mean obviously you can kind of always play you know you can it's, it's kind of like when people read revelation and they're like well that's just like today this is this and this you can kind of always interpret it to fit your things but i i feel like you definitely kind of see that now and uh, i think uh, a lot of you guys listening you'll you'll probably see while reading this there, there definitely is hints of things we're seeing now and i think things we may see yeah, Soon. yeah. History just doesn't repeat, <laughs> but it does rhyme for sure. So yeah. they're talking about Lewis Ling I, I, in the in the eighties, in the eighteen eighties there in Chicago. I I assume. Yeah. And uh, yeah, an interesting thing, like like you're saying, the brutality, court persecution, newspaper slander, popular prejudice. They're doing this to to conservative right wingers, but I mean, I'm not saying that it's justified back then. But this, you know, there were bombs going off, and they're like body parts flying and shit like that. Like it was real. Now it's just it's a complete paper tiger and they're they're rehashing the same technique. But uh, there's no there's no moral justification. So I wonder if that will change things this time around. Yeah. You know, make make people more sympathetic to the to, to who they're targeting rather than, you know, you'll, as you'll see, these anarchists were that I don't think that they're very good people. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I read this, and I, I in my head, I could see the moral justification to where it's okay. Uh, and it's kind of—I've talked about political violence in my show before. I always like to use the situation of like a cop. Like, if you get pulled over by a cop or some shit, and like he tries to take you into jail, like I'm of the opinion you're perfectly morally justified in fighting against that kidnapping and doing whatever you have to do up to and including legal or lethal force. Is that smart? probably not you're almost certainly not like you're probably going to get killed if you survive you're going to be hunted down by a gang that is has a network nationwide worldwide that all want you dead and will almost it probably don't even want to bring you in or probably going to try to kill you so like because you're a cop killer now um so is is that smart probably not and that's kind of what i see when it comes to like anarchists and political violence like I get it. Every man has their point, but generally speaking, 
it's usually not smart. Like, I know everyone says, oh, if the cops come to my house, they're going to take my guns. Fuck them. I'm going to fight them. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll find my, my Roomba fucking, you know, uh, Claymore or whatever. It's like, okay, well, maybe if you're just some single guy who wants to go in a blaze of glory. But most likely, this is just dumb. And even if you are the single guy who's going down a blaze of glory, you're probably not helping your cause, really. You're actually probably making things worse. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you're just going to give them something to point to and go, look at these violent heathens, you know? Uh, it's yeah. just not going to work out. Um, yeah. One thing One thing I think that that uh, we I'll probably keep bringing up is the, the tools that are used. So, obviously, they're using uh, their own form of propaganda, but it's not as widespread as what mm-hmm. we can what we can do now and then there's their secondary form would be dynamite <laughs> but uh in yeah in today's age i i wonder if uh if if like i don't know if so if is social media or what we're doing right now more effective than dynamite and i think that remains to be seen we'll we'll figure that yeah. out in the future i think yeah. so although i think there are benefits to both <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, you yeah. stay alive and don't yeah. do any major crimes <laughs> It began in the stormy days of February with the revolt of the unemployed. Well-fed, Ferris, I don't even know the fuck to say this word, pharisaical, whatever the fuck, uh, (laughs) clergymen and their smug, self-righteous congregations rudely awakened from their fatuous dreams of 17th century theology by hordes of hungry men demanding food and shelter, mass meetings and demonstrations, the greatest ever held in New York, at which thousands of workers listened to and applauded the speeches of avowed anarchists the black flag of hunger borne by ragged, starving men through the residential street of the world's industri- industrial potentates. The city stirred, the, the country aroused, the pillars of capitalist society shaken. Hunger had become articulate, misery had found its voice. The authorities, deaf to the groans of starvation, quickly gave ear to the first murmurs of revolt. 192 men arrested at once for seeking food. Frank Tannenbaum sentenced to practically two and a half years in jail for declaring that a hungry man was, has the right to eat. Meetings forcibly broken up by the police. Working men clubbed, arrested, and jailed for expressing their opinions. And they ask if we believe in violence. I, I circled black flag of hunger in there. Um, I, I just thought that was a really cool way to put, like, to express anarchy in a, uh, in a, in the, in the context of a collapsing society. Cause, and I also put in the margins, I put two come. Because I, I see, especially a good example of this, um, I just saw a post uh, before we did this that was talking about how truckers for inter- for initially, apparently, Reed, correct me, I haven't read the article. Apparently, they were talking about when they said borders, they were they meant international borders. Yeah, uh, Canada, uh, when Mexico, I, yeah. yeah. When I read it, they said, I think they said state borders in the post. I never read the article because, I mean, you know, why read the article when you read the title? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently in it, I, I thought they were mean like states. Uh, but they were basically requiring truckers to get the vaccine if they were crossing borders. But they were talking about international borders. But even then, even though it's not state borders, it's still an example of, you know, how that, I mean, tr- trucks bring us everything. Like, I mean, aside from, like, international stuff, it's going to be planes and, and ships. But so far as, like, stuff within your own continent, which is the majority of your stuff, all trucks. Now, now with all these, like, different vaccine mandates and stuff, we're looking at some shit. Uh, and... Like, we may not see it now. I mean, the, these things usually have a tendency to lag. But, uh, I mean, if they keep dicking with a supply chain like they are, there's going to come a point where they can't handle. Like, a lot of people remember during the uh, lockdowns, like, in a lot of places, like, there's, like, no bacon in the shelves. There are weird things that just wouldn't be there because certain supply chains were just getting completely fucked. 
So we're doing it again. We're dicking with it again. If we keep it up, we may see the black flag of hunger return, which I, I thought that was an interesting way to put it because it's kind of like, in a sense, you create anarchists by completely fucking them, which I feel like in some ways is bad. It's almost like you're creating this artificial anarchist that's only out of desperation, and it's like you're almost creating a dangerous man. But it, I, I just thought it was an interesting an interesting concept. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So I was telling Josh yesterday that I think the default setting for the human beings is liberty or individualism. So if you if you do starve a man and you do it on purpose, it if, if you take away everything else that he has, his default setting is then to uh, embrace this radical individualism. And, you know, that's the weird part about this. Like, it, it's clearly they're clearly doing this on purpose. But they why would why would you do it on purpose unless you're uh you're you're intentionally fomenting a rebellion it, like they they want these things to pop up because they're probably prepared to stop you right away there's no reason to when when we have supply chain issue, issues as it is there's no reason to continue and and create more of these supply chain issues whether it's just i mean it's just it's just like stuff from canada and and stuff from mexico that's coming across borders but why why even do it for for what's going on now i mean and then it's also something to think. Uh, I was thinking, like, I don't know, Canada's mad cucked anyway, so everybody up there is probably vaccinated. So what the fuck's the point of this rule? Maybe it's just another flex. I, I'm not Mexico, quite sure. Though, so that's that's half the equation. Mexico has been pretty based on a lot of shit, from my understanding. So I mean, whether their their government's based or not, it's one thing. But like, the, I know that people don't give a fuck. So for the most part, I don't know. So. Mark was Mark was saying everybody wears a mask. So no, I don't really know. know. I'm talking yeah. on my ass. Mark would know better than I would. <laughs> uh god what did you say oh you said something there about like intentionally i think there's always a discussion as, of whether government is evil or incompetent and i always say both like so i think it's a bit of both you're going to have people who are incompetent people within the government that is like partially these things that are being created is having incompetence but there are smart people who understand what's going on and do kind of manipulate things and i do think to some extent that's kind of what i was getting at earlier with like you know, it's not always smart to do political violence or this or that because they I mean, there is something to maybe they are intentionally and in, intentionally antagonizing things. So it's mm. kind of like they're trying to get you to do it. You know, yeah, it's kind of definitely. like every, any dude who's ever been in a toxic relationship with a woman has had that situation of where they're like, hit me, hit me, hit me. And you're like, no, you can't hit her. Like, that's she's look goading me, you. Look at me next to all this drywall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but yes yeah, so, I mean, it, it's obviously like a, a game that if you know like if you fuck that up like you, you're you're gonna complain and be like oh well they, they goaded me into doing it it's like no one's gonna give a fuck you're the bad guy like the end <laughs> yeah january 6th that's all yes. you have to see nothing exactly. happened nothing happened yeah. and, and that'll that day will live in infamy and everybody involved they gave that the the buffalo dude 40 months you know, that's yep. fucking crazy. <laughs> they gave, I think, uh, uh, Eliza Blue just posted, they gave some pedophile 20 months and he was yeah. just like trafficking children or, or watching ch child porn. That's, that's where they're at in the scale of punishment. So this is intentional. It's meant to provoke you. They have the facilities in place. They're probably watching this. <laughs> yeah, probably. So yeah, just tread, I, I don't know, tread carefully or, or, uh, Choose choose your next move your next move wisely because this is not the 19, 1914s or nineteen tens and you can't just make a fucking bomb 
and get away with it. Yep. Like these guys did multiple times. Apparently it's crazy. Tyler Jank of Liberty and podcast review. We are reading the entire thing. His right name now. is Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Yankee. I was told it's, before it's Jank. <laughs> Jank. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'll call him whatever I call him. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's keep moving. Um, then mm. came the massacre of love. One more, two, one more oh, thing. We got? I, one more thing. Go for it. Yeah. I you know, he, they, they talk about, uh, He's talking about the starving men through the residential street of the world industrial potentates. And I don't know if that's if I, I think he means uh, metaphorically and probably also actually literally like, you know, it's back in the day. These people are probably hungry, but all throughout 2020, when they closed down people's businesses and they locked you in your houses, then they put the mandates on you. And even till now with the vaccine mandates and, and all, all this bullshit you look around and, and you know, Pete Quinone said it multiple times. Did, did you hear his podcast with him and Eric July where they were they were just fed posting like a motherfucker on that podcast? Was this, this was a while ago, wasn't it? A while I, back. It was I, can't, I, I watched pretty much all of Pete's episodes, uh, yeah. but I have not seen that one. I mean, I, I don't recall that one. I have seen it. I, I guarantee you I've seen it. I just don't recall it. They so. went as far as like, I mean, they were just like, hey, you know, at this point, everything's off the table, and they—they're probably right because that's where we're getting to anyway. But uh, one of the themes that always comes up is like, look at look at these conservatives, look at the Trump supporters, right? Everyone's two A, everyone has their AR fifteen and shit like that, and nobody uses it. And I think even Vin Armani said, "You're not going, you're not going to use this. You're not going to." It's like they, they don't have to take the guns away, and in a sense, he's right. But yep. I think that they're missing a crucial, uh, crucial part of this math equation, and that equation is food. You know. Yep. All throughout 2020, we had our Netflix and we had our fucking fake food. You can go to McDonald's. I just went to McDonald's today. Whatever. You go to McDonald's. You can fucking eat your bullshit for three dollars. You're happy. You're fat. You're in a you're in a coma, and then you're entertained. When that goes away, what happens? And it seems like the powers that be are working their best to to really just take, you know, one domino at a time, one Jenga piece at a time and seeing how far they can go before this thing topples. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I have no idea what they have planned. I don't even yeah, know. I don't, they, they probably have no idea what to do next. It'll probably just collapse and shit go crazy. And I, mean, no I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't normally get too conspiratorial. I am very much like I do think. To some extent, some of this was planned. I don't know how much of it, because whenever it comes to central planning, it's like how much can you really plan? But I mean, they, there's been a lot of stuff I've seen of like plans from years ago where they've been pretty on point. So I'm like, okay, uh, but I, I, I don't know. Well, we're Charlie we're, Robinson wrote a good book called the uh, the managed decline. The, yeah, the managed decline of the American Empire, and uh, he has another one too, like the octopus octopus of global control, but that one kind of explores these ideas that I'm talking about of this, uh, this, this intentional downfall of this empire. I mean, even, even Obama has said that, uh, yeah, he said, uh, did he say manage decline? I think he said something in, in those words. And it's like, like, like basically we have to be comfortable, uh, not being the world's global empire anymore, because that's obviously that's written on the wall. We know that we've been screaming it. Scott Horton screams it all day long, but, but they know it too. So, they have it's easy it's either an easy letdown or a kind of uh like just a, a an assumption of give, giving away of power little by little and this is conspiratorial but i mean it, it kind of is reality we're, we're living through it and 
in 10, 20 years, we'll probably be reading the history books about exactly what this was. Yeah, so. no, I mean, but it's conspiratorial, but there's there's truth to it. The problem is, though, that like you can never really confirm unless you know have some sort of super duper inside details. You can never confirm exactly what is and isn't because I know it sounds crazy, but like fucking like the international lenders, they fucking run things like it's just a matter of follow the money. And the international lenders are going to be the Rockefellers, which is what we're going to begin at in this book a little bit or in this essay and you know people like that like there are big dogs who run shit there like there are people who are above nations there are people that nations go to for money and they give them money and these are the ones who are the kingmakers if they decide at any point to manipulate certain things to take a certain person down like we came we saw he died or whatever like shit like that like you're dead. Like if you don't play game, you're done or some other else take your place. So these are people who can pull these strings because these, the, yeah. the, the politicians on the top know where their money comes from. Know, know who it's butters their biscuits and they know how this game is played and they're not going to turn against them. So that's just how that works. Yeah. Read like anyone who, who doesn't believe me, read like the last quarter of no treason by Lance Lightsinger Spooner. He gets, this is in like civil, like post civil war. And he was, already being insanely based on like the fucking like the international lenders and stuff he was like these are the ones these are the ones the most deserving of all the violence and these are the people that the people in this essay are attacking (laughs) well maybe that's why that's why you chose me for this uh for this uh segment because i'm not saying i'm lysander spooner but i feel like uh when when you when you tell me who you are i listen right yeah no need to tell me twice i got you so when people exhibit certain behaviors, it's pretty easy to draw that to its logical conclusion of where they're going with this. And a lot of the libertarians that are like, well, it's private property, this kind of shit. I'm like, eh, you know, they've already crossed this line and they're not going to stop. So let's just draw this to its logical conclusion. Conclusion. Stop it here rather than rather than doing this fight much later down the road. But, you know, this is everyone's content to do it down the road. And, and another thing I wanted to add, like, yeah, a lot of this stuff could be, uh, you know, like these global banking powers and Rockefellers and the Pissar family and shit like this. But then it could just be like some kind of weird serendipitous mistake. Like, a, I don't know, an archduke, his driver could make a wrong turn and that will end him up on a street where an assassin's waiting for him. And that'll kick off the next fucking three world wars, you know, yeah. if, if you believe that history. So, yeah, I, who, who really who really fucking knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there obviously are always going to be freak events that happen, but for the most part, there's, there are definitely, in my opinion, you know, and, and even then, like, say with something like that, it may just be one of those things where, like, the the powers that be hiding behind the curtain just kind of like they may not orchestrate it, but they just like, eh, whatever, let it go, I don't care. Like, but they, <laughs> they definitely, when they want to, they can, they can, they can have their uh, have their shit, you know. Um, yeah. Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Then came the massacre of Ludlow. 200 men, women, and children of the working class shot down or burned alive by the hired butchers of Standard Oil. Again, it was the anarchists who took up the fight of the workers and brought home the responsibility where it belonged. To the oily murderer who teaches a Bible class on Sunday and roasts alive defenseless women on Monday. My conscience acquits me, said young Rockefeller. We replaced his conscience. We became his nemesis. His well-oiled conscience acquitted him, but we, the militant workers, have convicted him and passed judgment from his own Bible, a life for a life. Uh, yeah. yeah um, 
there's a lot there just in that one paragraph to pick apart. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, um, I'm realizing more why you chose me from this, and but I'm also realizing that I that I do come off this way online because if mm-hmm. if you do talk to anybody that knows me, I I mean, my persona online or like when I'm when I'm talking with you guys, I, it's it's very friendly. We're joking, and even like my tweets and stuff, they're they're kind of friendly. But in in real life, with my friends and family, I am. Uh, very much this way like black and white you know there's no there's no bullshit and i'm gonna say like uh sometimes i'll say the most wild stuff so yeah this his his attitude is a judge jury executioner here and he is he's seeing what these people do their fake religiosity or the the word that you fumbled on the pharis pharisical clergyman you know like (laughs) the the pharisees that that jesus flipped their table over these people that were holier than now yeah they hide behind their religion and uh while they while they do what they pharisaical. do here. Pharisaical. I bet you that's how it's pronounced, but go ahead. Far, yeah, and that is pharisaical, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's an interesting perspective uh, that he that he does take, and I wonder if he's just kind of, uh, if he is Fed posting, like, but, you know, 19, 1914 Fed posting, where you write yeah. it on a typewriter. Yeah, no. But, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, the, uh, I don't know if you've looked into the massacre of Ludlow. I don't. I'm like I said, I'm not a history, historical buff, but it was my understanding it was a strike that was being done by the the oil workers where they were striking, and I, I it was a town, yeah, Colorado yeah, it was like town. yeah, it was a whole bunch of people, and essentially, you know, Rockefeller sent some people down there to, to straighten it out, and I think like they kind of the, the his thugs kind of implied, and I think it may have actually been cops, military, something like that. I don't, oh no, hired butchers. So his people. So he sent well, people to go down there to go deal with the people striking. Uh, and I don't remember the exact details. I feel like, you know, they kind of claimed someone popped some shit off on the one side. But in retrospect, it looked like the, the oil, you know, people were the aggressors, most likely. I don't know. I mean, it's like you expect talking history, especially history I don't know a ton about. Maybe I'm wrong. But it definitely looks like they fucking just offed a bunch of people. And they killed a shitload of, like, women and children and everything. Yeah. So yeah. it was it's but a pretty wild were... thing. Th- those were like tent cities like back yeah. back then because like, they would they would be i guess moving along as and, and they might have been running pipe or whatever they were doing so in this city in ludlow um it was a tent city and they were striking and i it, that's where the part that's where it's murky from what i from what i remember it's like uh some so obviously when you go on strike i don't know if you've been in like a union or something and people go on strike you'll have people that cross the line they're going to work and and do that. And obviously there were line crossers and, you know, the people who are striking don't like that. So it could have popped off there. And it did. They, they definitely did kill uh, some of the people that crossed that crossed the line and continued to work. And, uh, and then there are obviously agitators that if I was Rockefeller, I would send in agitators because they're also on my, on my land or they're using, they, they, they're like holding my equipment hostage. I think I think in the end when it was all said and done they they lost something like the equivalent of it was like uh, maybe like half a billion dollars or what it would be today so it was a big hit to whatever the fuck you yeah. know to what he was doing over there so yeah it seemed I, I don't know who who started it and it could just be anybody because you know people are people the National Guard got involved and they came and and yeah and like squashed stuff and just killed a bunch of people because you know. They have they have the actual guns, 
and they yeah. and also it seems like uh you know Rockefeller has the power of the state behind him, which is also yeah. if we want to draw parallels to today, you know, who at yeah I don't know Bill Gates gets a gets a, a patent for a vaccine and and all of a sudden it's pushed on the entire world. Yeah. When you have enough money, you can use the power of state to do whatever you want, which is why we should abolish the state completely. But yes, but uh, yeah. I mean, you brought up that he has the power of state, and uh, so I think that that de- definitely does factor into the math of like who aggressed or whatever, because I mean, it's kind of hard and it gets murky when you're talking about someone who has the power of the state behind them, someone who is yeah. like a huge oil baron. There is definitely is a case to be made; they have the power of the state behind them to some extent. So. I mean, to some extent, uh, I mean, it's like murky, but it's like, I know like, it's like, oh, they were holding his land and and equipment hostage, but it's like, okay, but is that his land or is that, is that the public's land because he's living off of taxpayer dollars? Like it it becomes, it it gets murky. That was not a defense or justification of Rockefeller. I'm just trying to be as fair as possible. Yeah. Something happened. And then that led to other things and other things and other things until ultimately, you know, the this, this state was involved, the National Guard. And I think cops, too. Like, you know, it was, it was a mess. It was a fucking mess. And they just went in there and basically lit that town up and people, I, I, what was it, 120 people? or eight, I, I The numbers exactly. that I read, they're like, it could be 80, it could be 150. Like, they don't, they don't even care. It was, it was yeah. so long ago, like, no one's counting. Oh, yeah. People don't realize, when you're talking about casualties in war in general, and especially war, like any over decades ago or centuries ago, the numbers are going to be insanely squirrely because they just kind of don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the sounds say that one death is a, is a tragedy. Uh, yeah. A million's a statistic. Yeah. Yep. Something like that. I did want to, I, I really, it stuck out to me. The one line, uh, the oily murderer who teaches a Bible class on Sunday and roasts alive defenseless women on Monday, which I know they're referring to Rockefeller, but I do. It makes me think of a lot of uh, like cops, certain people in the military, stuff like that, because it is very much like you're able to separate these two lives, and uh, especially cops, to where like you're fucking over people and you're able to make justifications, and but then you're gonna go home and you will be the perfect family man. So it is this like oh, it's kind of this perversion. Of yeah, about forty percent of the time, sixty percent of the time. But yeah, oh, yeah right. <laughs> I'm bad at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I just it, thought it that reminds was me. It reminds me of pastors in general. I mean, holy man on Sunday, and then you're banging your uh, your deacon's wife on yeah. on Sunday night, and <laughs> not even Monday. You know, yeah. it's it. Uh, this just this is the state of man. But but when you're talking about people like uh, the Rockefellers and and uh, th- these other higher up people, they especially in this time period where they can use something like Christianity as a facade to hide behind, they're going to do it. Whereas yep. today, I guess, I guess the facade would be social justice. You, you see it all the time. The, most of these people, they don't give a flying fuck about social justice. They use it to further their means. So this is not a surprise. It's just another parallel to, to today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's almost more sinister in the context I was using. Cause I was actually meaning like, people are able to completely like justify the evil that they're doing like for the state and be a perfect person. And like legit almost in a certain kind of way, almost are a good person like in their head, but they don't realize because everyone thinks they're a good person for the most part. Everyone makes justifications, but it's like you're doing evil, but you don't even realize it. It's, 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 this is the effect the state has because you do, 
provide justifications why it's okay for the state to do this, but it's not okay for the individual to do this, you know? So, mm. I, yeah. Do um, you think they even get down to that? That that's such an interesting thought. Like one of my uh, one of my friends, he was my friend. I he since deleted me off of everything and doesn't talk to me. Um, he's a cop, and I remember a long time ago before I was exploring any of this, even libertarian thought. Forget about anarchist stuff. I asked him if he liked his job because it's one of the jobs that I never, I I didn't. I took some city tests and stuff. I I said I don't ever want to be a cop. I kind of I saw through it. I saw it was like weird bullshit. So I asked him about it, and his answer to me when I said, do you, do you like what you do? He said, uh, you know, I get to do things like put a new black backsplash in my kitchen. And I was just like, Hmm, at the time, like interesting. And now knowing what I know that that phrase always haunts me. Cause it's just like, I don't know what he's doing out there when he's on the beat or on the street or doing, doing these things. And, and he's not a bad person. I know him for a long time, but when, when your, your boss tells you to do X, Y, Z, you do it. And I know he's done it because he's received promotions and, you know, he's he's a good cop, uh, according to his his uh, his boss. But it's like at the end of the day, is that what we're worth? A backsplash? That's like that's what we're, that's what we're doing here. And and how do you separate that from your family life? Great father, great person. But, it, you know, when you put on your suit, you go and do. Yeah, there's something really sinister or like psychotic about it. And it's I, I don't know whose fault it yeah. is. It is a wild response. But the crazy thing is, though, I've seen the same thing in the military. Like, I've had friends who try to go, like, uh, special forces, and they'll just, like, laugh about, like, well, I'll totally, like, completely be like, yeah, you know, you know, those drone strikes that you want to go, you want to go be, you know, special forces guy and be the one who calls those in. Like, you, you know what the, you know, what the, the casualty rate on those? And it's like, ah, you know, whatever. Uh, and it's like, okay, like, you know, I got to get do cool shit. You're like, all right, man. Yeah. Like, I, it, and even that, it's funny too because these people I'm referring to, I don't actually don't see as bad people. Like, but at the same time, like that's fucked up because on a personal level, they're good people. They treat people at good at an individual level, but for some reason, there's just like this, like I don't know if it's a defense mechanism where they just are like, ha ha, or or they say some shit like you know, oh whatever, I'll get a new backsplash. It helps me pay for a new backsplash. It's like, I mean, they're 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 able to whenever they get this uncomfortable truth, they they just have a way to like you know, just kind of shrug it off, like ha yeah uh. Uh-huh. Or, okay, or, or like, you know, like my, okay. My friend, when when faced with that, I still see him in the neighborhood, and he just like he won't he won't talk to me, he won't look at me. But when faced with that uncomfortable truth, they just completely. I don't want to say I guess he ran away, but you know, aborted the relationship because there is no more recourse or conversation to be had. Once once I hit him with some of these, uh, you know, the Dave Smith talking points, there is just no rebuttal. The only rebuttal he would have is is to say, "Wow." I'm doing a lot of fucked up shit and I should probably stop. But I put myself in a position where I can't afford this backsplash if I stop. And I'm, I'm yeah. sympathetic to that too, man. Cause it's like, I get it. What yeah. do you do? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're sort of in, you're in that situation too. And that's like, that takes incredible balls to do. You just walk yeah, away from no. them like that. I trust me. I hear about it every day from the old lady, <laughs> but, uh, exactly. Uh, fucking, yeah. I mean, it is, it is hard. Like, I mean, I fucking, uh, for those who don't know, I was 11 years active duty military. I got out. I mean, I have a decent job now, but I was getting, people, I mean, people always bitch and moan about like how you, well you get paid, but like, uh, or, or about not getting paid well in the military. I'm like, you get paid well, in the, like well in the military, comparatively speaking. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was making six figures or some shit, but I'll be straight up. Like shit is like tight right now. Like I'm fucking, I'm like 
making making the, the ends meet is basically where I'm at. Like so, but like I could have kept working for the state. I always do like to make the case though that I'm I don't at all see myself as some martyr who's holier than thou and that I did the right thing. I actually legitimately do see this as a one of the main reasons why I got out is I saw the writing on the wall and I think economically and honestly for my well-being in the long run it will be better. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I definitely could have in the short term been better off if I kept going doing what I was doing because I would be able to kept like cuz you know, I was doing I was doing well money-wise. I was fucking, you know, me putting away a ton of money. It wasn't like I was just paying bills and like I was paying bills and had a bunch to set away. <laughs> like, and now I'm at the point where I'm making ends meet. So that, that's where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm not definitely not like poor or anything now. But so, I mean, there is. But I do think in the long run, I'll be better off for my peace of mind and for fucking economically, too. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, know. I mean, well, now you got to get creative. And I think that yeah. that's that's probably a good thing because you become complacent. But some of my friends like uh well, one of my, my best friend, I'm not going to dox him or anything, but he wants to stay at his job here. It's a city job. And he's like, well, you know, maybe I'll at least get uh, uh, vested. So that, that's like 10 years in or something. I'll collect part a partial pension when I'm this. And I'm like, do you think that there will even be a partial pension? Look at the way this city is run, how completely mismanaged it's. It's naive for these people to even think that they're going to there's going to be anything at the other at the other end of it. So leaving it completely might be a, might be a good idea. Uh, what do yeah. I know? You know, I just do drawings. So what did, what did that guy say? <laughs> oh, I just bring it up. I wasn't going to actually read it. So I legitimately have a dilemma when thinking about cops. Some of them treat their families and communities with the utmost respect, but the problem is what um, he says, why, but uh, I think he meant what, what they do with power when it is given to them. And I agree, but that's kind of what I was getting at to where like uh, the state has this, um, thing where it creates this mental block to where it's like you that's what i'm getting at where they're they treat their families communities with utmost respect but you know then they abuse power uh in certain instances as soon as you in their head do something that violates their magical state's rules and then then you're a bad guy and the end and that's it and it's like and they're not able to at all you know go past that uh <laughs> tyler said clip this part and ask for my patreon members no i'm trying not to be a pitiful grifter okay <laughs> <laughs> please subscribe <laughs> yeah. i mean i probably should but uh, that's not my style um yeah let's move on um driven from his office at 26 broadway from his city home and his pet sunday school the world's most potent monarch was forced to take refuge behind barred gates and armed guards as Terrytown estate Having driven the rat from into his hole, we followed him there. We went to Terrytown. More clubs, more arrests, more jail, more persecution. A dozen men and women thrown into a filthy, stinking jail for speaking on the street. More arrested and clubbed the next day. Jail sentences of 30 to 90 days punished the temerity of the rebels who dared invade Rockefeller's hometown. Finally, finding his town police, his private guards, and special deputies unable to cope with the situation, a hired mob was organized, which... Inflamed with patriotism, rural bigotry, and Rockefeller's whiskey, and gratuitously aided by the New York City's authorities, attacked, stoned, and had not their Dutch courage failed them, would have lynched the anarchist speakers. I put a little note here. It for some reason it reminded me of the Floyd, the Floyd uh fucking uh riots. Because 
I know a lot of our kind don't like to admit that it did kind of, to some extent, start out um, adjacent to anarchist philosophy or ANCAP philosophy. Because when it first started, it was legit like, let's go burn down the court and the police station. And uh, for me, I mean, I'm not saying do that, but I'm definitely going to and eat, <laughs> I'm gonna sit, sit there and eat popcorn while you do it. Uh, I'm going to be like, that's pretty fucking dope. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty dumb what you're doing, but you know what? Fucking respect. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But um, there was a point where it turned and it became violent. And a lot of people didn't really you know, see that. And that's kind of it's where the, the public opinion changed. So I, I got that vibe there. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you have anything it's, else to add. It seemed like here it was, uh, not the opposite, but it, uh, he, he hired a mob to mm-hmm. counter protest. <laughs> so maybe the, the similarities there would be something yeah. like Antifa where, yeah. you know, I I've seen, I've seen some of the marches in New York. Yeah. It, was it New York or I don't know, somewhere, probably Portland. They're out there marching against vaccine mandates and then Antifa will come out and march against them, which yeah. is quite bizarre and not organic or maybe if it is organic they're they're being lied to or like he said they have their their dutch courage from the the whiskey that they're giving them so people are paid off and yeah lots of similarities to today yeah Yeah. uh after this the mask was off not content with legal violence the ruling class itself had first appealed to extra legal violence none could suppose the anarchist would not accept the challenge this was the situation in the morning of July 4th. Then came the explosion, starting the co- uh, country and striking terror into the hearts of the reaction. A large tenement house on Lexington Avenue was destroyed, and three well an- well-known anarchists, Arthur Karen, Char- Charles Berg, and Carl Hansen, were killed. The ruin was evidently caused by a large quantity of dynamite exploding the flat occupied by our comrades. These are the facts. More than this, no one knows and probably ever will know. Right, wrote a little he, note, but I can't even read it. <laughs> so yeah, what he's saying is these are the facts. That's what happened. Uh, more than this, no one knows. He knows, and probably never will know. He's right because he won't tell you. He he was a he was a co-conspirator with these people, uh, doing this stuff. And there there were other guys that kind of like stood in the stood in the background, didn't want their name tied to it. But it it, it seemed like there was a network of of these uh these anarchist types at this time that were kind of really doing this stuff. So, but it is, it's interesting to be able to read this, uh, this time capsule from, from a guy who was doing, when I found out that he was involved with those people, not that he was just writing about it angry, like we'll write about shit that we're angry about and we'll tweet about it. But very rarely do you see somebody who was actually in the thick of it and, and kind of telling you that story from, from <laughs> their point of view. It's interesting. It's like when OJ wrote this in the book later about like, what if I did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah and his editor's like yo shut the fuck up because you're on trial (laughs) yeah this is this is this is what's happening here it's it's really interesting and i mean uh the the explosion uh what when i read about is actually pretty i mean it was pretty like fantastic it blew up i I think one of these guys was just completely eviscerated and and another guy was like like thrown into fire one of the fire exits because this is in new york so they're i guess they're higher up and he was just like his mangled body in, in one of the one of the exits to the fire. The the yeah, what do they call that? The fire exits to run down the stairs from fire escape? The, yeah, the fire escape. Yeah, he was just like yeah. fucking smashed up in there. Yeah. So they probably had a lot of goddamn dynamite. <laughs> 
and I heard that they were getting it from from the Russians. So I guess some things some things never change, huh? The Russian collusion and <laughs> yeah, I I see that I know what I wrote now. I have a horrible handwriting, so I wrote some of the margins to remind. So I put Fed shit X Malcolm Kennedy etc. is what I wrote. I couldn't read it because my uh, handwriting's awful. But yeah, it was like part of me when I read that was like that sounds like some Fed shit. <laughs> Oh, like that, that you know, like up? all, yeah, that it blew up because I mean, don't get me wrong, it could always be some just freak accident, but it always seems like you know, we see MLK, X, you know, Kennedy, uh, you know, some other people. I'm trying to think of other people, but like there are plenty of examples in, in the past of when the feds dick around with these influential people that are starting to get a little too big for their britches, and oh, oh who, look whose brake lines are cut. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, Sorry, you know, shit Rich. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I didn't, that didn't uh, come to me when I, when I read, I remember thinking about like, uh, I don't know, terror, just terrorists, like, you know, yeah. from the two thousands, they were, they were trying to do shit like this and they were blowing themselves up. You, you've heard the stories of uh, uh, suicide bombers that just kind of blew themselves up accidentally, <laughs> not at the location <laughs> they're supposed to be at. So I was like, it, it could have just been that, but it served its purpose, right? It, yeah. it, it it scared the shit out of everybody. They didn't have to they didn't have to kill anyone but themselves and they kind of uh they they made a they made a little bit of a difference there. But yeah, let's sort let's, of let's... yeah, we're we're gonna read and I, I do have a point where it's like sort of but not really. <laughs> Whatever may be the truth of the matter, the police and the capitalist press immediately assumed that the dynamite was being made into a bomb for use against Rockefeller or in Terrytown. This was a story flashed over the country, and the moral effect of the purpose of the explosion was as of, was as great as if our comrades had succeeded in their purpose, whatever it may have been. I yeah. know in this paragraph they're like, "Oh, this is just as good if they did it." I'm like, "No, not really. You didn't take out your target, and all you <laughs> did was kill yourselves and make yourselves look look like the bad guys in a sense. You, you know, like." I, I, that's kind of why immediately when I read this, I thought like fed shit almost as if like they did that. And then, then they took the press and then spend it to be like, Whoa, look at these fucking crazy anarchists. Let's go yeah. get them. You know, <laughs> like- I will say I I'm, I'm kind of regretful that I'm not a socialist because capitalist press is like, is such a good term. Corporate yeah. press is cool, but capitalist press really, <laughs> really drives that home. If you, if we wanted to abandon the word capitalism, that would be a fucking great, like yeah. great way to stay as a matter of fact we should probably use that if you want to talk to i have no interest in talking yeah. to the left so but if you do want to talk to the left capitalist press is a great way cnn is a capitalist press msnbc yeah. is a capitalist press you still i will to them? say yeah. for all the people who get uppity about the word capitalist and how the lefties have subverted it it's actually not true we subverted it and they subverted it back because uh the original definition of the word from my understanding is marx used it as a pejorative and it was mm-hmm. like a bad thing. It was it was legit. Like when you say crony capitalism, that was the original definition of capitalism. So yeah. And at the end of the day, words mean all, all that words are is mouth sounds. So they like they, all they mean is whatever you they, they like they're imbued with the, the meaning of the user and the person who you know takes in the word. So you know do with that what you will. If you want to keep using capitalism, cool. I don't give a shit. Like. I use capitalism in certain contexts. I don't care. But if I'm talking to a lefty, I probably won't use capitalism because I know that's going to trigger them. And I know a lot of people get up and like, well, the original meaning of the word is, well, it's like, no, actually, the original meaning of the word was a pejorative made up by Too bad, Cole. If Cole was on this episode, we we can talk about the the lineage of the N-word. 
how it started <laughs> off at. it started off as a derogatory word and then then it was adopted and now i don't know really what cole is using it as but i like it so <laughs> all right as usual many of the lip revolutionists scurried to cover and hastened to repudiate violence anarchy the dead men and everything connected with them the anarchists, however, have stood their ground. Although we know nothing of the facts, we do not hesitate to admit the possibility nor fear to face the accusation that our comrades met their death in an attempt to retaliate upon the violence of the ruling classes in the only possible way, with violence. The immediate thing that came to my mind was January 6th, which you mentioned earlier, because uh, many of the lip revolutionists scurried to cover and hastened to repudiate violence. Which, I mean, you saw that in so many conservative and even libertarian circles of people being like, immediately after January 6th, just bowing to the fucking, the, the, the cathedral's fucking narrative to being like, oh, look at these fucking evil fucks. And you're like, just a minute ago, you were like completely against all this shit. Like, what, what is going on? Like, and I, I do think there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, in, in the modern day, they saw their opening to uh, cock to the cathedral and, and get their spot like in D.C., right, Cato and Reason? So yeah, you know, some some things don't some things don't change. Uh, obviously, one of the things he says here is uh, uh that they want to retaliate retaliate upon the violence of the ruling class in the only way possible with violence. Uh, I think that I think the jury's still out on that. I don't I don't think that only violence is the is the only way to retaliate. This book, I agree. This book that we're reading right now, I mean, it's sold. It was like the number one number one bestseller on Amazon. This is this is dynamite in itself to the ruling class. These ideas yeah. shouldn't they? Sh- I, I shouldn't know who Robert uh, to who Charles Plunk- Plunkett is. I shouldn't, yeah. but I do now because of this. So yeah, it, you know what, what is the Dave Chappelle modern modern uh, modern problems call for modern solutions, right? Yeah. So this is probably this is probably something that we're going to be segueing into rather than dynamite i hope yeah no for sure uh that's the, you brought up a good point there um yeah i definitely don't think violence is the only answer um uh i feel like you know i'm not gonna do that that's a whole other discussion but let's move on if they did we own them proudly and we honor them for their intelligence their initiative and their courage they did the only logical thing the only courageous thing the only revolutionary thing under the circumstances when free speech is suppressed when men are jailed for asking food clubbed for assembling to discuss their grievances and stoned for expressing their opinions, there is but one recourse, violence. The ruling class has guns, bullets, bayonets, police, jails, militia, armies, and navies. To pose all this, the worker has only dynamite. And I know we just a second ago said that, you know, that we disagree with the only possible way. But there is, I, I, cir- I underline one line here, I put current situation. Um, I do think, you know, the closer... There comes a certain point to where there kind of almost isn't an option other than that. Um, and that's kind of the point, um, which you mean to, you know, to call like say Stapleton, the wealth, power and influence. That's why kind of shit like that is important in the good times. You should be working on getting yourself in the best situation you can be. And I don't just mean wealthy because I just said earlier how I got the military because you want to also be independently wealthy, like not reliant on any man as self-sufficient as you possibly can be because there you don't want to be put in a situation to where your only recourse is violence. So you want your best to, you know, not be in that situation as best as you can. 
So, and but here yeah. we are now. The crunch is being put on us. So we're kind of in a point to where I mean, you can do certain things, but you know the crunch is on. So we're in a bust part of the boom bust cycle. So yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is a great. It's a great point because when you're thinking about these people, I guess this was uh so that's like turn of the century and that's right in the beginning of the industrial revolution. Right. So these people, they don't, they, I mean, their choices are extremely limited, especially just the regular working class person. It's not like they can pick up and, and I don't know, sell, sell t-shirts or graphic design or do a podcast and they, they don't have these kind of options. So obviously their only option is violence. What was where was I going with that? Uh, you know, Tyler backed you up here. <laughs> Basically said your exact point. Yeah. Despite Uncle Ted's desires, our current technological situation helped to level the field and not only depend on dynamite. Yeah, Uncle Ted is super based, but I do have to disagree because I think he only focuses on the negative of the technological situation. There is a positive as well. Um, you know, so that's my point. But yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, that's. Yeah, there. Uh, I feel like I lost my point, but their their options were were extremely limited, whereas ours right now are not. So, uh, yeah, it'll come back to me. Let's say, yeah, <laughs> let's keep. It. I highlighted no, I mean, it's kind of like to Tyler's point. You kind of with Tyler's point with technological innovations. The uh, the more options we get, the because there is a certain point to where like you know you're pushed so far to where you literally have nothing else to do but you know go chimp mode. So oh, this, this is this was the point that I was going to make. Yeah. So uh, obviously right now we're not at the point we're, we're still not at the point where violence is our only option and technology and, and other other circumstances have granted us that that time stay where we could kind of just we, we can kind of buy our time a little bit more. We could accept more bullshit. And I guess the re so again, the reason you chose me for this is because of my stance on on when we should when we should say, all right. Cut it, cut the bullshit right now, because the further along we go, the further we get dragged into this quagmire. So, again, I feel like I just lost my point. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, it's like when, when, when people, when people won't say the truth, and I, I'm not gonna say any names, but like. Again, like just with the with the vaccine mandate thing and and the private business stuff and the private no reason. Go on. <laughs> well, even even other people we know, you see, I know for a fact that they see the what is what's coming down the tube, and they're not saying anything. So you're 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 actually making like like by defending this stuff, you're making your only option violence. That's your that's your option later on. And if, if you're not brave enough to say something now, I, I don't know how you're going to do with the violence part. It's, yeah. it's not, it's you're not probably bitch made. If you can't fucking speak now, then God, you're not gonna be able to do shit later. That's for goddamn sure. So, yeah. Yeah. The only, um, thing, only thing saving us is just, just telling the truth right now. Yeah. But I all don't right. Know. All honor to the men who acted while others talked. All honor to the men who are preparing to strike a blow of terror into the hearts of the enemy. They are dead, the last in a long list of martyrs to the cause of human liberty. But they are hundreds and thousands still alive who, inspired by their act, will follow their example with better success. Uh, I did underline all honor to the men who acted while others talked, because I do think that's a beautiful line. Uh, while I may not necessarily agree with their course of action, the motherfuckers acted. 
And I do one of my main points for the past like year, it's been how 2020 has been the biggest impetus to get out of theory and into practice. Uh, whether, you know, no matter what that practice is, fucking do something because talking about it ain't shit, you know? And that's kind of like, that's partially why I got in the military because like in my head, you know, a year ago, uh, or not even a year, a couple years ago in my head, I was like, this motherfucker is going to fail in like a hundred years. Like this whole thing, the American experiment, like a hundred plus years. And then 2020 happened. I'm like, whoa, 10, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 10 years. <laughs> my math was off. <laughs> So like, and that was kind of the point where we were all stuck in theory. We were in this theory land of like, you know, like, oh, well, we all know, you know, eventually this thing's going to bust and like, you know, you know, this, the, the current fiat system is unsustainable and blah, 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 blah. But like, we never actually actualized of like, but is like of the, this is could happen in our lifetime. And now we're at this point where like, it probably will happen in our lifetime, you know, 2020, I mean, it, it, it was like a shock to the system of how fucking crazy people went with I, just with the money and, and social circumstances. But then if you if you look back on it, it's kind of like, wow, this this system was actually really resilient. Like I was yeah. saying before that when they were doing the quantitative easing, I was like, oh, this can't last for too much longer. And that was nothing to what they've done now. I mean, 40 percent of the money supply they printed in the last year and it still hasn't crashed. So, man, what a what a beautiful system that like. I mean, deep roots, and it's really, yeah. it's hard to take. I, I don't. I wonder how long it would have taken to actually unroot itself, rather than if, if we didn't have this like one crazy ass year. But yeah, we were. I was. Yeah. I was wrong on my timeline for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. I definitely. It was one of those situations. Where it was like, holy shit! I didn't realize I was that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm scared. <laughs> my like, friends are coming to me. They're like, they're like, yeah, Yo, you've been talking about this shit a lot. What? what's going on? I was like, don't ask me, man. I don't, I, I'm just as lost as you guys. (laughs) I did not expect to be this right. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so right all the time. Fuck. (laughs) Um, yeah, I did like the line too, where it said that, uh, you know, but hundreds of thousands still alive who will follow their example with better success. And that's kind of where we are now. We're, we're literally reading the words of these dead, dead people. And, you know, they've inspired us to continue on with their mission. Um, I'll have you read the last. Yeah, I'll have you read the last paragraph because, you know, I feel like that one's a little more powerful. I'll let you have that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Off with the mask. This is war. Violence can be met only with violence. If they attack us with cannon, we will attack them with dynamite. And whenever possible, let us attack first to oppression, to exploitation, to persecution, to police, jails, militia, armies and navies. There is but one answer. Dynamite. All right, someone clip that and send that to the feds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. This was uh, this it, this seems like an emotional. I mean, the whole thing is obviously very emotional, but this is a very emotional ending to this paragraph. It's meant to provoke. It's for the readers, in my opinion. Even though this guy was making dynamite, I feel like there was also a little bit, a little part of him where. Uh, he was more strategic, which is why he wasn't involved with the first placement of the dynamite, and he got involved maybe a little bit later on. So yeah, that that would also that would be my advice to the people reading this too. Like, read it, uh, understand what he's saying. But I think that this is a, I think this is an emotional play to get people moving. What do you yeah. think about that? 
Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's super based. I definitely don't agree with it. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I like, like the sentiment. Mega base. <laughs> I like yeah. the sentiment. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like one of those, like, right on, man. It's kind of like with a cop example I gave earlier. Like, you know, like, I will definitely be like, fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah, give it to the system. But I'm like, <laughs> but in, my, not me. in back of my head, I'm, <laughs> in back of my head, I'm like, that's kind of fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'll clap. Like, <laughs> like, it's really base. Stand for your principles, dog. <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah. you know. Because that's where the moral justification was. So I'm saying like that last paragraph, I think they're more is, you know, depending on the context, they're almost certainly morally justified. I think the government by its existence is, is aggressing upon you. So for the most part, you're morally justified. It's, it's and this is where like with like I'm an egoist. And a lot of people know that. And, you know, we're not a big fan of morality. We think it's made up bullshit. And it's kind of where it's like kind of morality to some extent sort of doesn't fucking matter because like here it's like cool. I can say morally you're in the right, but it's kind of like, cool, you're fucking dead and you fucked over the cause. So like, uh, okay, cool. Like you were morally right. What does that even mean? (laughs) It doesn't mean a whole lot. Like the other day, like is, is what you're doing going to serve to benefit your cause and or yourself? Like if not, then it's like, why are you doing it? And I think generally speaking, I mean, I'm sure we can make a cause that to some extent this benefited because we're reading this. For the most part, I generally think political violence, there's not much of an upside. I, it's obviously entirely situational. It's a matter of, like, say the free state, say 100 years from now, the free state project's thriving and doing well. And, you know, and the fucking, the, the, other, the other states are encroaching upon them. I'd be all for them fucking fighting back. I mean, just as I'm all for the guy fighting back against the cop. And, but I would say with like the free, like if they're in a situation to where they can practically handle it because they've, I, they've created like a, I don't know, like I, I, what, what am I trying to get at? It, they're in a the situation to where they actually can fight back. You know what I mean? And do it in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I it's more just like, is this smart or is it not? And I think I'm of the fan. Most of this chapter is, kind of not what they're sort of advocating for but i get the sentiment i kind of sort of admire the sentiment but i just it's like i don't know i mean (laughs) that's kind of where i'm coming from i'm kind of glad i'm kind of glad somebody somebody did it (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's unwise like it's it's kind of like the kyle rittenhouse thing like i'm kind of glad that they did it but if my son was walking out of the house saying he's gonna go attend a protest i'm like no fuck you're not you're staying you're staying here you know it's something that needed to be done. I, I mean, Magnus is probably watching this and shaking his head and like, you bitch. It's just like I'm not, I'm not doing this. My, my, my place is somewhere else. But a part that sticks out to me in that paragraph is not the dynamite and the call to action stuff. It's the declaration of this is war. And with that, when he's talking to his audience, he's he's telling them mentally, this is war, and. I feel like, you know, off even, with the mask. This is war, which is kind of poignant for today's yeah. today's situation. But go on. It's, yes, it's, exa- exactly. Especially today's situation. I, I've said it to my wife multiple times and she's just like, shut, shut up. Like, I don't give a shit. She's trying to raise some kids. But, <laughs> you know, whether whether it be the culture war or whether it be politics or uh, whatever kind of laws that they're trying to pass on you, I'm I'm trying to explain to people like, yo, this is actually war. We're at war with people and, and it's undeclared because most of us have no idea. They're, they've targeted us. They've, 
I, I think Jeremy Kaufman says it, and it's kind of hilarious. And now the New Hampshire, uh, the, the LP in New Hampshire, say uh, that libertarians are the most persecuted minority. They're they're kind of right. And uh, the sooner the sooner we realize that we're at war, and it, the sooner we realize that it, the better, because then then you can start to strategize, and it doesn't have to be with dynamite, and it's probably it definitely shouldn't be with dynamite. But just the understanding of, okay. All those battle lines. Yes, yes. This is what's happening. I'm understanding. I'm seeing clearly. So now I'll govern myself accordingly. You know, I know who's lying to me. I know who my en- who is my enemy. And uh, it, that's kind of extreme too. But understanding who your enemy is, like the, the latest skirmish with this BLM stuff. And I, I said it yesterday on Josh's podcast. I'll say it today. I am drawing the line. And I don't care. I don't really care what people think anymore. I'm not differentiating between the good ones and the bad ones. It's like, no, no, if you want to put that label on you, then that's on you. And I'm just with a broad stroke. I'm classifying you as as the enemy, as people who want me. Uh, all black people. <laughs> all black. People. <laughs> <laughs> no, <but> you. <laughs> these people, you know, if, if you're going to wear that banner on your chest yeah. and you're going to march in this, I, I, I don't. I don't want to differentiate and have like a personal conversation yeah. with each and every one. I can't, I can't now. This is, if, if we're at war, if it, if this group is telling us that we're not allowed to defend ourselves and uh, you know, I, they'd rather see my head bashed in with the skateboard. It's very clear. My, my, my prejudice has to be that I have to, I have to discriminate a, in order to survive. Right. Yeah. Because we're at war. So the sooner people realize that spike Cohen, the better. And, yeah. and the yeah, we, we could start to draw our battle lines and understand what's happening and, and, and then govern ourselves accordingly and move forward yeah. from there. Yeah, to some extent, it becomes a matter of like, I need to start making quick decisions because when you have so much information being thrown at you at once, you can't just fucking like be like, well, let me patiently, slowly deliberate all the different, you know, like at some point you got to start making quick decisions. It's kind of like a, a lot of people, I mean, I my latest, my big account, not big, I was larger it was almost a 4k account got nuked and i got a new account but i fucking a lot of people knew me on there for being a block guy and like they'd be like well why do you block but it's because like i'm kind of i don't need to i don't have to interact with you there's no reason i need to interact with you if i see you as some sort of negative influence in my life i'm going to cut you out immediately and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like well i'll be like well you don't know necessarily you might be off it's like okay whatever i make a quick decision it's kind of like but at the end of the day it's like i I'm making a quick decision with what I have and we're not talking, I'm just not like with a block or even like drawing enemy lines. We're not saying I'm necessarily going to do violence upon you. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's just a, like, I'm kind of trying to decide who my friends and enemies are. Um, yeah. The, the, same the thing way with I that. see it, yeah. the way I see it with that is it's a cost benefit analysis. So if I'm yeah. like just walking along and there's some cheese here, I'll, maybe I'll eat that cheese. But if there's a clear mousetrap with cheese on it, no matter how good the cheese is, I just say that's a fucking mousetrap and it's not worth the risk. So I just keep moving. Like, why yeah. bother with these people? And, you know, I, I, yeah, I have, I have no obligation to entertain you or, or take you seriously anymore. I've seen what you did. So I'll just yeah. dismiss you out of hand. And I don't know, like, like I told, I retweeted Scott Horton. I said, tell these people to, he, he was kind of defending the BLM or the statements Kyle Rittenhouse made. I said, tell them to change their name, do something else. But if you yeah. put that on your name, then, I have. Why would I bother? It's just a waste yeah. of my time. It's an yeah, block. which is this kind of reminded me of Sowell, uh, and one of his main points uh, was kind of how like stereotypes are for a reason, and yeah, so like one discrimination yeah. too. 
So like you, you see someone and you might see like, if you see a black person who's dressed in, you know, urban clothes and pants sagging and this and that, like, like your, your brain makes instant stereotypes for a reason. And it doesn't mean that person's a shitty person, but that means your brain might make a quick deliberation of like, cause you don't really have, it's a cost benefit. Do I really, am I really in a position where I should take that risk of like, are you a good, like good person or whatever? And I mean, maybe I picked a bad example because someone's probably gonna clip this and be like, I hate black people. But like, I'm more just saying like, I mean, the same thing goes for a white dude. If you have a white dude who presents himself a certain way and you just look at him, he just seems skeevy. You and you and your brain immediately make these deliberations based on limited information because you're like, I why risk it? Why why what do I have to gain from this motherfucker? And what do I have to lose? You know? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it, and it, I'll even take it further. In my field, in, in like a construction field, w- which I was in before, if I see a, a female worker, I'm not I won't talk. You had me at female, you leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> If I, if I see a female worker, I'm not going to like, I mean, unless it's like pertaining to the job and you need to know something about what we're doing, like what kind of track we're putting down. Besides that, I'm not making small talk with you. The upside of making small talk with you is, I don't know what I get your phone. I don't want your phone number. I'm married. There's no upside to me. The downside is maybe you report me for harassment. So how about I just do none of these things unless you have like a pressing question about what we're doing pertaining to the job. That's discrimination, but it's to protect myself. So the sooner we start applying these methods to almost everywhere, the better. Yeah. No, that's a great example. Like, I mean, when it comes to women, there's so many. I mean, unless we have some amazing, like, chemistry, like, friendship-wise, it's kind of like, why? Like, I have nothing to gain from you. I I mean, maybe it's just a man mindset, but I'm not out here looking for friends. I don't give a fuck. Like, I genuinely don't. If... Like if you're if we get along and they're great, that's cool. But I have no need for friends. I'm a fucking grown ass man. I have a family. I have like I don't need shit. So like you gotta have be bringing something to the table. You gotta have a great personality, something. So there is definitely it's like what do I have to lose from here? What do I have to gain? And so yeah, but uh, we kind of went off the weeds there. But uh, do you have any other final thoughts before we close out? Uh. No, I think we covered it, but yeah, that's, yeah. I, I think that's a good point yeah. for, for people to, people to hear, man. That's like, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Andrew would love that. That's, that's, we're talking about the inse- incentive structure of, of what motivates us. So we're, you know, follow your incentives. Don't be, don't be stupid. Understand what you want and what you want to do and then move, move that way rather than uh, trying to if you know, you're trying to please everyone or please a crowd and that's just going to get you jammed up or it's going to get BLM to Dave's next comedy show. That's really how that ended up, you know, us trying to placate to that. that it ended up yeah. with po- a possible death threat on on our 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 uh, our Lord and Savior, Dave Smith. They backed <laughs> off immediately. Did you not? Do you see me fucking with them? I was fucking with them hard. I mean, I don't have as much of a big as big of a count as they did before, so it doesn't show up as your timeline as much. But I was I was fucking with them hard because I I, I don't know they 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 completely backed off of Dave because all they were, all they their their fucking play was make veiled threats and as soon as soon as someone called them on their veiled threats like not scared at all then they backed off like oh well we didn't really mean that we meant this and you're like okay well you just sound stupid because like the, the Finn the full pull, uh, pull up thing they backed off that's so like what are you threatening then to show up and protest. I don't give a fuck. Like that's pitiful. That's a joke. 
<laughs> like, oh like no, there will be ten people more. yelling outside my event. Like, who cares? They were, they were, they were bringing up something about the Second Amendment, and I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I, I was at Porkfest, and uh, I mean, you can. It's just, but the question is, why? Why would I even fucking bother with these people? Because that's where you end up. When, when you can very easily say, I don't like. I don't like the movement you're attached with. I don't like that this, I hate New York, but I don't like that this city's burning from specifically from that movement you're attached with. I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, That's fair. That's fucking fair. Because look, I mean, again, look at where the, look at where this leads to, to unnecessary yeah. bullshit conflict. So I don't know. Like, like Tyler's Andrew been killing with the comments tonight, by the way, two of the best oh. great episode guys. And then this one's Pence type energy keeps you married. 100%. Goddamn right. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't have no desire. I don't need women friends. I know call it sexist if you want. I don't need women friends. Unless you have an, something amazing to offer me personality wise, generally, I don't need friends, period. So I definitely don't need friends that's going to somehow threaten my marriage in any way, shape, or form, even possibly, even a, modic, even a modicum of a possibility. Like, I, I don't need that. Like, <laughs> I think that's why me and you are friends because I say this all the time. <laughs> I have like one friend in real life, and and then if, if now if I move away, I'll have zero friends. And I was like, I don't. I told my wife, I said, I don't need any fucking friends. I got a lot going on, but I still got Jose, so we're good. I mean, we're, yeah. I guess we're not friends because we don't need friends. So we'll call each other something else. We're, we're anti-friend friends. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Yeah, I mean, I don't give a shit. Like, I have no problem. I don't know. I, I I go to work. I come home, and I mean, I have internet friends. So whatever. Maybe maybe that. I guess you could probably interpret it as being pitiful and I have to have internet friends, but <laughs> at the same time, like if I didn't have internet friends, I still wouldn't give a shit. I don't know. That's just how I was raised. You're a man. Yeah. You don't have feelings. Move on. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of porn on the internet. So I mean, I could always find some project to do. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. I find something to do with my mind and or hands. And there you go. I don't need a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if I had less internet friends, I would probably get more drawings done. But you know, you guys, exactly. you guys impede me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to go ahead and drop your plugs? Yeah, man. Uh, Toplobster.com, Toplobster underscore on Twitter. You can get this uh, War is Mass Murder, Conscription is Slavery, and Taxation is Robbery Rothbard t shirt, among many others. You can get uh, Jose's shirt sure. on there, which yep. we have to work on a way to get a store set up for you guys. But uh, you're dragging your feet. I don't know. I, whatever. Sound we off like giving the... you money. We like you. <laughs> yeah, I like you guys too. But we'll, whatever, we'll figure it out. So yeah, you can catch me on all those places, and uh, I might be on tomorrow with Josh Smith. I think he's having like this big round table with Reed and uh, Chase Geyser. Scott Horton might show up, and a couple other people. So that should be pretty cool. What topic? That's just a random grouping of people. Um, break the cycle i have no idea what we're gonna talk about but i kind of want to say yeah. hi to scott horton so okay <laughs> yeah, have you not met know. scott in real life yet i saw him in uh tom remember the the tom woods thing oh yeah it's right it's right it's right yeah. yeah but there was like a line of people and i had a shirt for him so i was just like uh, josh was there and i was like yo uh, skip me in and he skipped me in and he gave him the shirt and i was like what's up and he's like oh you're the top lops and i said yeah yeah so he gave me a hug but i was like all right and i and i bounced because there's people waiting so I didn't really get to meet him, but he's a nice. He seems like a nice guy. Scott's the dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I met him at the Florida LP convention, and uh, we may or may not have partaken of some grass. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a. Uh, he, I think I, I think my first interaction, like, oh my god, you're Scott Hart, and that's cool. He's like, 
hey man you want to hit this and just like kind of handed me a bong <laughs> <laughs> like, Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um but no it's got scott's the fucking dude it was it was very surreal meeting him uh he's a great guy um i was gonna say uh yeah uh with that i am i am the no way jose uh show this is a i'm on uh youtube on the no way jose youtube channel I'm on all the major podcatchers. Odyssey. My Twitter is now, I think, at 2020. Uh, no way, Jose, because it's not at Gali San Jose anymore. Uh, ch- go follow or not follow me, but support me at patreon.com. So it's no way, Jose 2020. They will have access to these streams. Um, and like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good shit. I uh, appreciate you coming on, dude. Hang out for a second. I'll end the podcast and we'll shoot the shit. Ooh, see you guys. <laughs>